His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. And your love forever. Well, this morning we get to hear Anna Mar, and we are just so blessed um, to have her and Chuck here. Um, Anna, you just are a, an awesome woman of God, and we're just so blessed to hear what you have to say, and you're just powerful. We just love you. <laughs> love you guys, too. Okay, great. Mm. Just stay here. Okay, yep. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Father, I just thank you for Anna. <laughs> Lord, we just we just thank you for the word of the Lord that's in her, that you have birthed in her womb. And God, we ask that it would come out with just power and anointing. And Lord, it would come out with ease. Lord, I just bless her that it would just, uh, she would be refreshed when she is done here this morning, not exhausted, but refreshed, that your spirit is refreshing her as she is refreshing us. And we just bless her. We bless her in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. How are you guys doing? Good. All right. Well, um, you guys should know that I don't really travel with Chuck very much anymore. So as you can see why, <laughs> um, we're kind of all over the place, but you guys are so special to us and just, we come here also to receive and we come here to give and we come here to pull on what you guys have here. Um, here in Southern Indiana, you guys have something really special. And I think, you know, when you're in an environment, you don't really always know what you have. Uh, but we travel all over the world, really, and what you guys have is so special. What you carry is so special, and um, I just heard the Lord say, like, when the kids were up here worshiping today, like, teach your kids how to worship, and they can change the world, and you guys have no idea the power that is in the fact that these kids know how to worship. Like, they can do anything, you know? You think about Jehoshaphat, and God said, you just worship. I'm going to take out all these armies, you know? And I just think that that is, a, you're, a, you're a house of Jehoshaphat worshipers, but you're going to finish well. And you're raising up these little mini Jehoshaphats um, that are going to change the world. And so, and I also just think, you know, keep it simple. Like, you guys just keep it simple like you're already doing. Um, and it, it's an amazing, an amazing, special thing. The first thing I felt like the Lord wanted me to just minister to is I feel like um, things are a little bit swirly right now. And I think some of it has to do with the hearings that are going on. And um, but I just felt like there's a lot of us that have felt a lack of clarity in this past season or the season that we're in right now. And I feel like God is just going to give me an anointing just to break that and to just bring clarity. So if you want to receive that, I just want you to stand up right now. Thank you, Lord. And just let him meet you today, even in the pauses. Like the word wait in the Bible, it means to expect. So we're not afraid to wait on him this morning because we're going to expect and we're going to pull on heaven. So he's even in the pauses, and that's a time for you to see what exactly he wants to do in you. Uh, I wanted to read Psalm 
eighteen sixteen. Actually, I'm going to read for a little bit, and you just receive this. Let your spirit receive this. He reached down from heaven all the way from the sky to the sea. He reached down into my darkness to rescue me. He took me out of my calamity and chaos and drew me to himself, taking me from the depths of despair. Even though I was helpless in the hands of my hateful, strong enemy, you were good to deliver me. When I was at my weakest, my enemies attacked, but the Lord held on to me. His love (laughs) broke open the way and he brought me into a beautiful, broad, spacious place. He rescued me because he delights in me. He rewarded me for doing what's right and staying pure. And so, Lord, I just release that blessing over us today, God, that out of the chaos that you will bring your peace, that you will bring your clarity. And we just speak peace be still to our government. We speak peace be still to our nation. We speak peace be still to this community and to this county. And we just receive your peace and your clarity. And I just declare that this is a season where in the midst of all the clarity, all the confusion, that, Lord, your people will have clarity <laughs> amidst all the confusion that we will have answers that are straight from heaven, that are straight from, from your voice. And so even over this room, I say no to chaos. I say no to confusion. And I declare over you that you have the mind of Christ. And I want you to say that over yourself. I want you to say, I have the mind of Christ. So anywhere where the enemy has come in, we just cancel those assignments right now in Jesus' name, and we just receive your love that's going to take us each into a broad and spacious place in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this summer, um, we had a worship night at church, and it was amazing. I need to get this. I love it. (laughs) I don't have the paper copy. Um... Sorry that you don't have one while I'm up here. Uh, this summer we had a worship night, and I just felt like the Lord was speaking to me about living out of the fullness of him and living in this place of fullness. And so I started to just spend time with the Lord and pray into what does that look like on a practical level. If you know me, I'm very, very practical. I have been my whole life. Um, my mom said, I'm the youngest of four, and So my oldest brother is 11 and a half years older than me. So we've got good gaps going all the way down. And she said at dinner time that everybody would be talking and, you know, just constant conversation. We're all pretty strong personalities. And then she said all of a sudden I would speak up and it would be like one sentence that would like summarize everything that was going on (laughs) from the time I was really small. I think one of my first words was actually. (laughs) I said actually. (laughs) Um. So I think that is part of my gift to the body of Christ is to be able to take these things and hopefully bring them into bite-sized pieces so that we can put these things into practice. So if you want to turn with me to Colossians 1. In verse uh, 10 through 11, I'm going to read this over you. And if you don't have the Passion Translation, it's okay. Just just receive it. Um, And this was Paul's prayer. He says, We pray that you would walk in the ways of true righteousness, pleasing God in every good thing you do. Then you will become fruit-bearing branches, yielding to his life and maturing into the rich experience of knowing God in his fullness. And we pray that you would be energized. (laughs) How many of you received that? (laughs) With all his explosive power from the realm of his magnificent glory, filling you with great hope. 
So this is what Paul prayed over us. Like we are designed to be filled with the fullness of God. That's good news, right? It's okay to hunger and to thirst for his fullness. Okay, verse 19. We're going to jump down here. And this tells us about how his fullness dwelt in Christ, which we already know. We're just kind of reviewing here. For God is satisfied to have all of his fullness dwelling in Christ. And then verse 21 through 22, why do we have a right to his fullness? Even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. That's how God sees you, holy, flawless, and restored. And then Colossians 2, this is the last one I'm going to read in this part, so y'all just hang with me. Colossians 2, verse 8. Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic, for they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments, sounds familiar, based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. And then also I love, uh, this is from the Passion Translation, in Psalm 91, verse 16, it says, You will be satisfied with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, And his fullness fills you, even though you were once like corpses dead in your sins and offenses. Okay, so my Baptist background has gotten you all your scripture. I've just like machine gunned you through the scripture. Um, and so in all of this, I feel like what the Lord is saying is he's, he's saying to the church, I want you to be more focused on me and my abilities and what I can do than on your own abilities and on what you have and what you can carry and what you lack or don't have. He wants us to become so focused and so aware of all that he's done rather than the things that we haven't done. So I believe that there's at least three things that living a life of fullness does for us. First of all, it brings us victory. Second, it brings us freedom from fear of man. And the third thing is it brings us authority. And here's the thing, whatever battle, probably every one of us in here is facing some type of battle. And whatever battle you have been, you're facing, you've been equipped to face it. How many of you guys believe that? When we start to feel hopeless in our battle, I think oftentimes what's happened is we've stepped out of him. And we've started to do it on our own strength. Listen, there's no shame in this message. It's quite the opposite of shame. I'm just trying to bring us back into alignment, bring that pendulum back to where we need to be. Uh, because we are hardwired for connection to him. And this is how, this is like one way that I feel like the Lord was, as I was praying about this, it's like you can build a house and you can put electricity in it and you can install plugs, but that doesn't mean it's going to charge my iPhone unless I plug it into there. Same thing with wireless internet. You can have wireless internet in a building, but you have to connect to the wireless internet to have its benefits. 
So yes, you already have the fullness. You have access to all of these things. But we, as humans, that's part of how God created us. We have to choose to turn and connect with him. Does that make sense? <laughs> so the enemy's goal is always to disconnect us. That's all he's trying to do. Like there's, there's your big secret. All he can, all the, his only weapon of like getting us out of a place of power and victory is to disconnect us from its source. Victory is a position of your heart and mind. It's not a measurement of your circumstances. Say that again. So victory is a position of your heart and mind and not a measurement of your circumstances. You know, this really comes against our Western mindset and, um, I was talking to a friend the other day, and her and her family, she has three small children, and they're missionaries in a closed nation, and um, they're, they're like, it's going to make me cry, but, so they're very high up in the mountains, and they've, like, gone through so much, like, they've literally just been escorted out of the country, they have two um, kind of, like, CIA people that literally, that is their job to watch them, their home is bugged, I mean, they've got all this stuff going on, but she was telling me about her little, uh, one of her, her youngest baby, who's not even two, about a year and a half. And um, she said she kept having these red marks on her cheeks and like they were starting to bruise and stuff and she couldn't figure it out. And she had frostbite because in their home, she said, I, I was able to get the heaters up to 37 degrees inside their house, you know? And I think, gosh, I'm like, the Western church needs to hear that. That doesn't look like victory, but how many of you know that they're taking ground for the enemy? Like our Western mindset of victory is comfort in all these things that the Bible doesn't talk about. Like Paul, and that doesn't mean that wealth is wrong, but Paul had the revelation that he could live with a lot or he could live with a little and he would still be living a victorious life. And so this young family has chosen like you know, all their family comes from a more probably Calvinistic background. They've, their family's all said, I think this is your closed door. You should go. You should come home. Come home to us. You know, they come from, one of them comes from a really wealthy community that has no grid for this stuff. And they're like, you know, what if Moses got to the Red Sea and said, it's not, it's, uh, we can't go across. Let's go home. Like, that's not the right theology because something's hard. We often think, oh, I'm doing something wrong or all these things. It doesn't. It doesn't always. Your only goal and your only, you're supposed to be connected to him. That's it. Being connected to him means success. Come on. That's it. Not what your bank account says, not the house you live in. Being connected to him and being connected to the body of Christ is success. That's good news, right? You know, we know Second Peter 1.3 says his divine power gives us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything we think we need versus everything he knows we need sometimes doesn't look the same. I was, um, so I was driving in Reading several years ago and I was a student. And so, of course, I didn't have money. I was working two part-time jobs and just like trying to pay for my groceries, trying to get through. And I, but one day I was driving home from school, and I mean it's hard not to be happy when you live in Reading, you know. So I'm just happy, and I'm driving, and all of a sudden, whoo, whoo. So I get pulled over. I'm like, oh man. And I was pretty close to my house, and I got a ticket. And um, so I grew up like super straight laced. Like when I, I got a detention once for chewing gum in high school, and I cried. Like, that's not living in victory. 
<laughs> and so I got this ticket and I, and I was like, okay, I got a ticket. And I was like, but I'm still really happy. Like I can still smile at the future. Like I don't give my joy to circumstances. You know, Proverbs 31 says she can smile at the future. So I drove away, I took my ticket, and I smiled. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know where that $200 is coming from, but you know what? There's grace. And yeah, I'll slow down, I'll learn my lesson, but at the same time, I'm not going to give my joy away. <laughs> How many phone calls have you got? Dad, I just got pulled over. My sister uh, used to get pulled over all the time. She's four and a half years older than me. And um, so she would get pulled over, and my dad is the biggest softie, and she would start crying. And she'd be like, you don't know what my dad will do to me. And I'm sitting in the passenger seat going, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, she got out of, like, I think six tickets where I was there. Who knows what happened when I wasn't there. So I was always like, I'm going to take my tickets. I'm not going to do that. I don't like it. So anyway. Um, my last ticket was so silly. So I was in where we live and I was literally turning on music for autumn on the car and this motorcycle cop pulls up next to me and he like signals me into the parking lot and he gave me a ticket for being on my cell phone. I was like, I was playing music for my baby. <laughs> anyway, he didn't care. So I took my ticket. <laughs> I took my ticket and I didn't let him take my joy. So his divine power, what does that do for us? Well, we know that it gives us the forgiveness from our sins, forgiveness from our past, and then freedom from shame. And one of the biggest weapons that the enemy is going to use to try and get us to disconnect is shame. And the problem with shame, shame creates disconnection, which is the problem. But what shame does is it makes our connection about our behavior more than what he's done. So shame makes your connection to the Father about your behavior rather than what Christ did on the cross. Shame's making me a bigger deal than what he did. So the enemy, when he gets us to take a hold of shame, he's like, yes, you know, he thinks he's winning because it takes us out of our identity and it takes us out of grace and it takes us out of the whole intention that Jesus died to pay for our sins, to pay for our shortcomings. And so he comes in and he's like, I can get them to believe that they're not worthy of his love and they will disconnect. But he already decided that you are worthy of it before you were ever even born when he told his son to die on the cross. And you're worthy of it because of the deep identity that he's put in you, not because of your behaviors. Because every behavior is not always a reflection of your true identity. It's a reflection of who you're choosing to partner with. Does that make sense? So when you start to, when you start to go down that path into shame, just try to remind yourself of that, that, that I'm going to focus way more on what Jesus has done than the mistake that I just made. And I'm going to repent, and I'm going to make things right, and I'm going to clean up my mess, as we say. But I'm going to make a way bigger deal out of Jesus, and I'm going to turn my affections to him. And how many of you know the more that you focus on something, the more you become like it? I can remember being a junior high girl, and I would use certain phrases all the time, and it's because my friends said those certain phrases. You know, my sister would be like, stop, 
Because who you hang around with and who you place your affections on and who you look to, you start to become like them. The girls are mirror image twins. So Autumn uses her right hand, Charlie uses her left. So I looked that up and started reading on it. Why are some identicals mirror image? And it's because they believe it's because they face each other in the womb. And it creates where they are literally a reflection of one another. So the thing that you focus on is the thing that you're going to become like. And that's why worship's important. And that's why worship changes the world. Because worship is adoring him. It's praising him. And it's laying down everything that we are and everything that we aren't. And every circumstance we're walking in. And it's saying, I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to choose you. I choose you right now. I choose you. I choose you. In the moments that are convenient and the moments that aren't convenient. Um, a while, or a long time ago, um, Bill Johnson and Brian and Jen were all going to minister somewhere. And Jen gets in the back seat and she said, okay, mommy hat off, worship hat on. And Bill turns to her and says, the problem is you never should have taken that worship hat off. <laughs> like living a lifestyle of worship, that's, that's what we do. Does it mean we never make mistakes? No, I totally lose it at my two and a half year olds because sometimes they have a spirit of rebellion, you know? <laughs> but there are moments, but then there's also grace and going, okay, I don't want to do that again. This isn't how I want to do this, but I'm going to focus more on who Jesus is and even his plans and his purposes over their life. I heard another speaker talking about how much when they were, their mom was disciplining them as a child, she would always come back to that. You know, this is your destiny. This is your purpose. Come back into the prophetic to say you're way better than whatever you just did. For those moments when they don't act perfect, you know? Um, I, I don't have, I've been reading, well, I kind of put it down for a little bit, but uh, let me see if there's one more thing I want to share in that. Oh, yeah, I was just going to share this. Like, in the whole area of, before we move on to fear of man, like, in the whole area of um, connection, how we are truly wired for connection. And the quicker we can get, I think the quicker we can get back to that point of connection, even after um, correction, it's showing a level of maturity in us. And so uh, we were sharing this yesterday, but so... Sometimes we're, we're kind of having a struggle now because the girls have learned how to climb out of their cribs and their pack and plays. And like I had so much freedom until this point. <laughs> and even that was our discipline, you know, as they would go in the no fun zone. And but now it's like really not fun because they can get out. And so sometimes we'll say, you know, if you get out of your bed, you're going to get a spanking. But what happens with Autumn is she gets out of her bed and you give her a spanking, and then she says, Mama kiss it, Mama kiss it, <laughs> Dada kiss it, Dada kiss it. Because she, she is quickly able to come back into connection. Like, discipline doesn't disconnect her from our affections. And even godly discipline is supposed to look like that. It's not supposed to be a, for a minute I'm rejecting you because you're bad behavior, and now I'm going to re-accept you dependent on your behavior. Like, the Lord never leaves his affection for us. He stays in connection and affection. And, he, and like I would say to my, to my children, you need sleep. That's why you need to stay in your bed. Because the days you don't sleep, you are a mess. And mommy is a mess. And daddy is a mess. <laughs> because we are designed to need sleep. Um, 
So that is what's best for her. And love is choosing highest good. And God is always choosing your highest good. And in some moments, um, that will be a certain encounter. And in some moments, that will be discipline. Because he's always choosing the highest good. But he's never disconnecting from his love for you. He's never looking and saying, you know, I saw that you did that. So you can come back to me once you da-da-da-da-da. His discipline never is a disconnect. And now I want to talk a little bit about freedom from fear of man. And I just, I feel like this one is a huge one for just what God wants to pour out and a huge piece to you. When I am truly living in the fullness of Christ, I'm not, that's the opinion that matters the most to me. I'm not going to be swayed by what other people think or, or don't think or whatever. And here's a little secret for you. You know what? Most of the time, other people aren't thinking about you as much as you think they are. They're thinking about themselves. <laughs> like, we can get stuck in a train of thought of, like, what does this person think of me? There's a pretty good chance they're, they're not really thinking of you at the moment. And so with this, we need to know, okay, what, I think to get free from a, a fear of man, we need to know what are his thoughts towards me. And do you know who I've gotten the very best prophetic words of my life from? Myself. I give myself the best prophetic words. Is that because I am like extremely prophetic or is that a gifting or? No, God designed all of his children to hear his voice. And he knows exactly the words to speak into you that can get you through the season that you're in. And, and the enemy is going to come in and come to the opposite of what God's speaking. But if we're able to stop and be still and say, Father, what do you see? Father, what are you saying? We can get through anything. So I give you permission this week to give yourself a really good prophetic word. It's time for us to, to, we're not babies anymore. It's time for us to stop waiting for the man of God to come into town and give us a word. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's part of what Chuck and I love to do is go and encourage. But bigger than that, and what's going to last you way longer than me coming and giving you a word, is me teaching you how to hear God for yourself and get a word for yourself. Because I don't want you to have to wait till next September <laughs> to get a word. Like, that's nowhere, that's nowhere in the scripture. That's not God's heart for you. And when we learn to give ourselves really good prophetic words, then his thoughts towards us become greater than other people's thoughts. And, and that's what I think is, I think fear of man to me is when we stay in a place of thinking about what others think of us, I think we're giving them a place of lordship. When I am dwelling on other people's opinions of me, other people's, what, what do they think? You know, first of all, they're probably not thinking about me. But second, that is giving them a place of lordship because the place where we give our focus and our attention is the Lord of our life. So if I am dwelling on other people's thoughts towards me, I'm giving them lordship. And they were never designed to have that place. It's really not fair to them even because they don't have the capacity to have that place. There's really only one person who created you in your mother's womb that is designed to have that place for you. I think that, yeah, it just means really, really coming back into a place of the fear of the Lord and, and 
taking things before him and maybe things that you've always done a certain way or, or things that you haven't, like just coming back into the place of like letting him speak into those areas. And because, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of what I was thinking about earlier. Okay, here's an example. Like there might be some people in this room that are in this season where God is giving them a grace and he's saying, you really need to hustle. I've given you a business idea and you just need to go after it. And it looks like early mornings and late nights. And there might be other people who are in a season where God is saying, I want you to rest. In the Psalms, it says that he can provide for you while you are asleep. And then in the Proverbs, it says, um, what does it say? With the folding of your hands, like basically it's saying, if you're lazy, you're not going to have food. Well, even the Bible can have things that you're like, how do I justify all of this? It's God's voice. What is the word of the Lord for you in this season? Because he might be telling the person next to you something totally different. And you have to be okay with the mystery in that. Because he knows every single wiring in each one of us. And that's why it's important. We need to hear his voice. We need to live in fear of him rather than fear of other people. Because he's probably telling me a different word than even my best friend. You know, he's, you need that fresh word from the Father in order to not live with fear of man. And then the last point I want to hit, um, when we operate out of his fullness, we have authority to see things shift. Proverbs 18.21 says, Your words are so powerful that they kill or give life, and the talkative person will reap the consequences. <laughs> and here's, <laughs> this is kind of shifting a little bit, but... Um, so you guys, you, I think you guys already really know that basically it's just we have so much power and so much authority when we are in line with him and his power. We just become like a conduit and his power goes straight through us onto the world around us. And your words are so powerful and they have the power to release life. They have the power to release death and just just recognizing when I am in union with him, I have an authority that doesn't really make sense. I have a, a supernatural authority. And um, so I, in Galatians 5.18, which you don't have to go there, but uh, I was reading this, and I think in the area of living in fullness, living in the fear of the Lord, I just had this thought, like, we need the law when we're living our life separate from God. Like, sometimes we want law. And sometimes we want rules, and sometimes we want that more than relationship because relationship is so messy. It's like before you get married, you think you're really perfect, and then you get married and you're like, oh my gosh, so much to work on. <laughs> or is that just me and Chuck? No. <laughs> we were single for a long time, and so it's like, you know, when you're, and obviously we had, we were in really healthy, we had healthy friendships, like we weren't just totally isolated, but when you are living in relationship with God and other people, you realize like there's a lot more to work on. It's harder to live in relationship than to live separate. Like that's why, you know, when people are like, you know, monks or sometimes people can become like overly spiritual and be like, I think, you know, I'm going to go live off here and whatever. And I'm like, no, you need to like be sanctified through living with people. <laughs> like, have children. <laughs> no. <laughs> Rapid sanctification. Like, did that, that just come out of me? 
So it's easier to live in this place of law and rules than it is to live in place of relationship. But there's a grace to sustain you when we when we realize I'm going to live in relationship with him. And it's like when Paul says, you know, you don't have to abide by these laws. Like even Paul recognized that there were Gentiles who had different laws and regulations because we're not designed to live in law. We're designed to live in relationship. We have relationship because the Israel we have law because the Israelites chose that. They said, I want a rule. I want the Ten Commandments. I want this rather than a relationship with you. And within relationship, like, you're known, you know? And so so the Lord is able to know exactly what you need and exactly what, uh, if, if you can do this or you can't do that. Does that all make sense? Like, we live in a generation where it's like, you know, you're like, my knee is sore. What's the first thing we all do? We pick up our iPhones and we Google it. <laughs> and I'm going to die, you know. <laughs> My knee is sore. I'm going to die. Like, it's definitely terminal every time. Google is always terminal. Anybody else notice that? Like, <laughs> we live, in, we live in, this, in this day and age where it's all about give me the info. I just want information because relationships quite require a lot of work. And, and what happens is we, we, we are living in a day where people are digi- digi- digitally connected but chronically lonely. So much loneliness, even though people have four social media accounts. Because we're designed for face-to-face communion with God and with other people. I just recently read a parenting book and... The parent was sharing how they're having some disciplinary problems with one of their kids and someone was visiting them, was in town, and they said, I've learned that if I give my kids 15 minutes a day, a lot of the discipline problems go away because we are designed for connection. And often with the girls, if they're going crazy and and I'm cleaning the house and I'm doing all the things that you got to do, you know, and making meals and whatever, but if I'll stop and I'll color with them for five minutes, I'll notice the discipline stuff just really doesn't, they start to listen when I ask them to do something. Like, we are designed for connection, and if we're not spending time with the Father, then we have not built trust in order to obey His voice. We are all designed for quality time and connection, and and that looks different on different people, and that's fine. I mean, I have identical twins, and I know that one of them would rather physical touch, and the other one would rather quality time. But all that, they still need connection. For one to connect looks like come and sit and and draw circles for me (laughs) and draw giraffes. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to draw a giraffe. But I love you. I'm here for you. (laughs) We're together. We're connected, you know. And the other one's, I'm going to cuddle you, mama. I'm going to snuggle you. And I'm like, how do you say no to that? And that's what she needs. She needs physical closeness. But we're all like that. And even in your times with the Lord, your time with the Lord will look different than my time with the Lord. When Chuck and I first got married, um, I I said, I'm going to go have a quiet time. And then I came out of the room. I don't know how much longer. I don't know. So I came out of the room. He goes, you're done? I said, yep, we're good. (laughs) (laughs) We connected. He's coming with me and we're off. (laughs) We've got some stuff to do. You know, and he he would have three quiet times a day when we first got married. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like, he's here. He's with me. Because <laughs> his connection to God looks different than my connection, and that's okay. 
So again, you can't compare to the person next to you, your connection with God. Some people uh, hate journaling. Some people love journaling. It's okay. Some people worship by going for a, or spend time with God by going for a walk in nature. And that really connects them. If you're one of those people, that's okay. It's a way of adoring him. He is the creator. Like how many of you, you know, if you're living in a healthy place and you create something, you want people to enjoy your creation. Like I wrote a book and I want to hear people say that my book brought them closer to the Lord. So why wouldn't God love it if you go for a walk and you admire the colors of the trees, the sunset? Like it's okay if that's how you connect to God. But connection with him is the key. Our independence is our greatest hindrance to a life of victory. Because victorious living looks like being connected to God and being connected to others. And when we start to feel under things, it's just time to reconnect with him. It's not time to go into shame and condemnation. Like, you know, and even in this season, like my quiet times look really different than they did five years ago. Because it's a different season and there's different demands, but there's there's so much grace for that. But if I'm starting to feel hopeless about something, I need to take some time and connect with him and hear his heart for it. Um, because we know in Ephesians it says that he is seated in heavenly places and we are with him and he is in us. So that means we are actually above all the circumstances and all the stuff that we're facing. Um, so I'm going to pray for you and I just want to encourage you that the, the trials that you're facing are under his feet. Like there is victory coming. It might look different than how we think it will come, but he, and he always comes on his time, which is usually not my time. I don't know if the rest of you are like that, but he's going to come and he's always right on time. Sometimes my timing is not not aligned with his timing, but he's going to come. He's going to break through. And every trial that you're facing is going to be a testimony that you can later bring other people into victory through that. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then, babe, do you have any words or anything? Okay. Um, So you can go ahead and come up here, Chuck, if you want. And then y'all can stand up, and I'll pray over you. Yeah, thank you, Father. God, I just thank you for these hungry ones. God, I thank you for, I just want, the Lord just wants you to know that you guys have such a pure heart. And Lord, I just thank you for pure hearts that hunger and thirst for you. And I just speak your victory into this room, Lord, that your spirit would just be whispering in each ear, just speaking life and speaking peace and speaking joy to each and every person, God. I just declare that you are just a room full of overcomers, that you are fully equipped to overcome your current battles. Yeah, and I just release his divine power to give you everything that you need for life and godliness right now. In Jesus' name, and I just speak peace be still again. Just peace be still over you. I think some of you are facing situations, whether it's in your mind or your circumstances, and sometimes you just need to say, peace be still. Peace be still. And there's so much authority in your own voice. And so thank you, Father, for what you're doing, for what you're going to do. And, Father, I just pray that you would pour out your blessing right now, God, that you would pour out even your affection, Lord, that each person in this room would know of your great love for them, that you're so pleased with them, (laughs) that these are your sons and your daughters that you're so pleased with. So I just release that over you guys. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message.